Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. We'll begin to read with the 25th verse again. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue, our power, had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Let's bow a moment in prayer. Our Father, thank you again for the privilege to come together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Together around that name that's above every name. The name of our Lord and of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the precious blood of Jesus that washes away our sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Thank you for the precious Holy Spirit, whom thou hast sent to be our teacher and guide. We trust him to give us utterance that we may speak as the word of God said, as of the oracles of God. We trust him to unveil, to unfold, to reveal the word of God unto our spirits. And we'll give all praise and honor and glory for everything that's wrought among us unto the worthy and majestic name of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now let me say again, because I want to, the Lord willing, finish tonight what we started Sunday night. And uh, if you really want to get the most out of it, you need to hear the other two tapes. So get the Sunday night tape and the Monday night tape and then this tape, and you'll, you'll have the whole thing. You'll get more out of it. That's just all there is to it. Because, you see, we take time to, uh, uh, out of the times we've spoken, it's been many years since we have along this line, reiterate some of the high points. But this time we're just taking our time and, and just going into detail and saying some things that, uh, that Jesus said to us, but that, you know, you just didn't have time to say before. Not leaving any of it out. Praise God. Now, I was conducting a meeting in Phoenix, Arizona in 1953, the latter part of uh, November, the first part of December. And the first Friday night of December of 1953 in Phoenix, Arizona, in the home where we were staying, this particular family had gathered their immediate family and the singer um, and his wife who was assisting me in the meetings for refreshments after the Friday night service. We could stay up if they wanted to. We didn't have any services on Saturday. And uh, while we were all praying together, and there's a lot there we're skipping over that you need to hear, get that Sunday night tape. Well, the Lord appeared to me. I saw him just as plainly as I see you sitting out there, just that real. 
And uh, Jesus talked to me. See, that's the end of 53. And actually, he talked to me about some things that I had been praying about. I had been praying about my finances. I had been praying about uh, ministry and so on. And he talked to me about my ministry. And he talked to me about my finances. And he even talked to me a little bit about our own nation. And uh, a lot of times, uh, I didn't say anything about it. I don't say a lot of things publicly. But uh, I, I have witnesses to the fact. I remember when Mr. John F. Kennedy was elected president, the night all the returns came in, suddenly the Spirit of God came on me. I said, everybody listen. Now listen, he'll never serve his term out. He'll die. I knew that four years before it happened. The week before it happened, I was preaching in Tulsa. We have the tape. Spirit of God came and I began to prophesy. Tragedy is coming to the nation. Within 10 days, tragedy will strike this nation. And it struck it. Two years before it happened, I prophesied at Christ for the nations. They have the tape there. I saw it. I thought he had a heart attack. I saw Mr. Robert Kennedy fall down dead two years before he was shot. And I thought that he was, uh, that, that he had a heart attack. I just saw him fall down dead. I heard him say he's dead. I heard him say See, I just prophesied what I saw. You see, the prophet of the Old Testament is called a seer because he could see and know things supernaturally. And so uh, uh, he, he said, uh, uh, said, many said, oh, he would have made a marvelous leader. Well, that's, I don't know. Amen. But anyway, God, the Holy Ghost, will show you things to come. Now, why does he show you things to come? Sometimes so you can pray about it and change it. Sometimes you can't do a thing in the world about it. Just get ready for it. Amen. And sometimes so that you'll know how to direct your prayers in a different direction. Some things he wants to happen. Uh, God permits them. He don't do it. Hey, he hadn't killed anybody yet. Uh, the Bible said the devil comes. The thief comes but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Are you listening to me? Amen. But nonetheless, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, is just the same Holy Ghost now that he was in the early church. You know, it's a strange thing to me talking about the early church. You know, there isn't any such thing as the early church. I mean, those folks back there remember the same church I'm a member of. There's not but one church. Remember what Paul said in the third chapter of Ephesians? He said, I bow my knees under the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Hallelujah. They, I mean, they're in the same family. They're just up there in heaven. Part of the family's in heaven. Part of the family's here on the earth. But it's all one family. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? And, and folks, bless their darling hearts and stupid heads in their little old small minds said, well, you know, uh, all that's been done away with. Well, the Holy Ghost hasn't been done away with. The Word of God said, all these, talking about the gifts of the Spirit, the nine manifestations of the Spirit, all these worketh that one and self-same Spirit. Uh, you know, you'd think he'd quit working the way some folks talk. All he ever does anymore is just convict folks, you know, so they can come and get saved. But no, the Holy Ghost is the same today because God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are one and never change. Never, never, never change. Never, never, never change. He's doing the same today that he always did. Praise God. The problem with us is that we're not cooperating with him. We're not learning to walk with him. And so one of, one, of the, one of the fulfillments of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, Peter on the day of Pentecost, you know, he, he quoted Joel's prophecy. And thus saith the Lord, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. 
Well, thank God. I remember as a young Baptist boy preacher when they came to our town and started full of gospel and I began to go to it because they believed in healing. I was Baptist, but I had been healed and raised up from a deathbed and ministered to the sick by laying on of hands and anointing with oil and got people healed. And, uh, and I went and my Baptist colleagues warned me against it. I remember in my hometown of McKinney, Texas, there was a man by the name of Bryant, Mr. Bryant. He taught uh, uh, the auditorium Bible class in the First Baptist Church. And uh, he was a graduate of Baylor University and Seminary. He had the same education all the preachers did, though he wasn't a minister. He just felt like God called him to be a Bible teacher. And he and I would always have quite a time of fellowship together and talking. And he warned me against these full gospel people. He said, now, 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 now I'll admit uh, that they, they, uh, they're in many, many of their beliefs, they're orthodox. I mean, just as orthodox, you know, and fundamental as we Baptists are. And I'll admit that they live better lives than we do. But that speaking of tongues is of the devil. And I thought to myself, how in the world could you get something from the devil that'd help you to live a better life? I thought he always helped people to live a worse life and a more evil life. Amen. Not speaking with tongues is of the devil. And then he said, besides that, they let women talk in church and teach, you know. <laughs> and I said to him, you know, I said to him one time, after I did receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he spoke with other tongues, and he brought up the subject again, that speaking with tongues is of the devil. I said, it is? Yes, sir. Well, I said, if it is, the whole Southern Baptist movement's of the devil. He looked at me, you know, like I'd slapped him with a wet dish rag. <laughs> what, what do you mean? I said, well, I was born again among the Baptists. I was born of the Holy Ghost. But I was filled or baptized with the Holy Ghost down there among the Pentecostals and spoke with other tongues. And the same spirit that I received among the Baptists, the same Holy Ghost that bore witness with my spirit that I was a child of God, the same Holy Ghost that I had in here all the time is the one that gave me utterance in other tongues. Oh, no, 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 no. He said, that can't be right. That can't be right. I said, how do you know? Have you ever spoken with tongue? No. Well, I said, you're a Bible teacher. You know your Bible. The book of Proverbs said a man that answers a matter before he hears it's a fool. <laughs> now, don't be a, it said, don't be a fool. You don't know. You, you don't know what spirit. You haven't spoken with tongue. How would you know? I've been born again among the Baptists, baptized with the Holy Ghost among the Pentecostals. I'm the only one of the two of us that can speak with authority. It's the same spirit that I got among the Baptists that gave me utterance in tongues. He's not two Holy Ghosts. He's not twins. It's just one spirit. One Lord. Hallelujah. One spirit. Are you listening? Yeah, yeah but he said they even have women preachers. Oh, I knew I had him then. I said, I want to ask you a question. See, I know you're, you're a Baylor graduate. Got your degree. Seminary graduate. I knew what we Baptists believe, and it's partly true and partly untrue. You see, to a certain point, it's true. I said, uh, isn't prophesying preaching? Yeah. Well, I said the second chapter of Acts, Peter's quoting Joel's prophecy, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters will preach. <laughs> You're a Bible scholar, a, a Baylor graduate. What about that? Huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. He said, he, he, 
you, you, you know, it does say that, don't it? He said, I, I, I'll give that further study. I'll get back to you. I've been waiting ever since 1935. He never got back to me yet. I mean, according to the way he believed, there's no way to answer it. Amen. Are you listening to me? No way in the world to answer it. Had him cornered. That's one thing about it. When you have know the Bible, you've got him cornered, praise the Lord. I used to not have much sense. Some people don't think I do yet. That's your problem, not mine. I know I've got more sense than I used to have. If nothing else, my wife taught me a few things. Amen. But I, I always uh, wanted to be a lawyer. Now, when I was a little kid, from the uh, time I can remember till I was nine years old, I always wanted to preach. Then I said, I'm going to be a preacher. Absolutely. See, my spirit was alive to God. Paul says in Romans, I might as well forget that, my goodness. <laughs> Paul said in Romans, the seventh chapter, in about the ninth verse, he said, I was alive without the law once. But he said, the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. Now, he can't be talking about physical death because he's alive when he wrote the letter, physically. He's talking about spiritual death. I was alive without the law. What do you mean? His spirit was alive to God. But when he reached the age of accountability, the commandment came. He learned the difference between right and wrong, and the sin nature in the flesh did wrong, and he died. That is, spiritual death doesn't mean he ceased to exist. He's not in fellowship with God anymore. He's not in relationship with God anymore. And that's the reason he had to be born again. You mind me taking a little, little side journey here? <laughs> Believe I will. Sometimes folks get as much out of the side journey as do the main line. You know, we've said, I said it myself. I said it myself. So I'm not, I don't mean this destructive criticism. You know, I'm not, not trying to destroy myself. You know, come and be born again. Get your name written down in the book of life so you can go to heaven. Nobody except folks have been born again will ever go to heaven. What about little babies? Have they ever been born again? Do they go to heaven? How do you get your name written down in the book of life anyway? Remember over there in the book of Revelation? Now you look in the Bible. Go through it all the way from the beginning to the end. You can't find one thing about where it says, be born again, get your name written down in the book of life. You look over there at the judgment seat of Christ. I, I mean, the, the, the white throne judgment. And death and hell gave up the dead which were in them. And the books was open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. Well, what in the world are they opening that for? All these folks came out of death. Death. I'm talking about death, not physical death. Out of spiritual death and hell. They're spiritually dead people. And the book of life was open. And everyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire, which burneth with fire and brimstone. What in the world are they looking in the book of life for, for their name? If it never was there, wouldn't that be stupid? <laughs> Amen? Amen? No, you see, dear friends, God, God foreordained and predestined a family. See, he didn't foreordain and predestined you to be saved or go to heaven or go to hell or whatever, but a family and he could have just peopled the world at once with the whole world with, with, with people. But he just made one man and woman and gave them the privilege of bringing his family and he records their name. You can't find anywhere about it written down. You always keep reading about it being blotted out. And their name, when they're born, are written down in the book of life. That's what God intends, but it can be blotted out. Are you listening to me? 
Paul's spirit was alive to God. But the commandment came. Sin revived. He's there in his flesh all the time. And I died. He's no longer in fellowship with God. I remember when it happened to me. I was nine years old. And I didn't have that anymore. I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm going to be a lawyer. Used to run off from home. Mom would tell me not to go. And I'd slip off. Boy, you sure feel bad you start back home then. Because you know you're going to get it. But I'd go to the courthouse. Sit there sometimes nearly all day long. Sit up in the balcony where you could look right down here where they're pleading the cases and listen to those lawyers. And I'm sure at 10, 11, 12 years old, I could have done better than some of those lawyers did to plead in the case. I'd heard so many of them, I, I just believe I could have outdone them. Seemed like some of them were the poorest things I ever heard in your life. Of course, most of them was, was court, court appointed. I guess they couldn't get anything, so they had to appoint them to, to represent folks. But anyway, they did a poor job, I thought. And so I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a lawyer. See? And, and, and uh, in high school, you know, I was always on the debating team. We never did lose. Never. My wife always said, I believe you'd argue with a signpost. <laughs> Women usually know, you know. Well, I don't try to be that way. That's just part of my physical nature, you see. But when I got born again, my spirit took back over again. The minute I was born again, I was born again the 22nd day of April. 20 minutes till 8 o'clock in the south bedroom of 405 North College Street. Saturday night. Hallelujah. And the minute I was born again, didn't know a thing about divine healing, didn't know it's possible to be here. I said, Lord, you get me up from here and I'll go preach. The minute I got born again, see, and my spirit's alive again to God, I got, still, I got that preaching it again. I had that preaching my spirit when I was a little fella. Three, four. I used to get out there in the garden. Grandpa always had a garden and preached to the cabbage heads. A lot of time to think I'm preaching to cabbage heads yet. I mean, those cabbage heads never change the expression. You get tired preaching to cabbage heads after a while. You got no response. Yeah, four years old, four and a half, five, six. We didn't start school till we was seven. And then I'd go over and preach to the bean vines a while. What did you preach? I don't know. Just preach. Amen. Hallelujah. See, but I lost that preach. When the commandment came, the sin revived and I died. That is my spirit's out of fellowship with God, out of relationship with God. Has to be born again then. Amen. Amen. Can you see that? But the minute my spirit's back in fellowship with God, the minute my spirit's alive to God, that preaches right there again. I don't know how to relate to these people. That I think maybe I'm called. I don't know for sure. Oh, dear Lord, I've never questioned it. I've known it just as much a part of me as my ears, a part of my body. Just as real in here. I think where the problem is that spiritual things are not real to them. They, they, we, we live too much in the flesh. Fleshy things are real to us. Mental things are real to us. But spiritual things are just as real as physical things are real. Spiritual things are just as real as mental things are real. Can you say Amen. Amen. Praise God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now don't sit out there and look at me in that tone of voice. I'm telling you the truth. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank God for this holy word. Everybody say thank God for this word. Thank God for his word. Amen. Now, the same spirit. God, there's not two spirits, just one Holy Ghost. 
He does all the work of God. And so those folks that this, this Baptist preacher said, our Baptist teacher, graduated Baylor Seminary, uh, said, well, those Pentecostals have women, you know. I said, I notice reading our own Baptist standard, we've got more women missionaries than we do men missionaries. At that time, I don't know what they got now. More women missionaries on the foreign field. Not only that, I was reading a report in one place, a woman wrote report. She's the only representative there. There's not a man in that mission station. She's running it doing the preaching, doing the teaching. It's all right for our Baptist women to do the hard job, go preach to the heathen, but they can't preach here. You know, let your women be silence in the church. Silence. Oh, dear Lord. Been more small wars fought over that by stupid people. <laughs> Couldn't mean what folks thought it meant because Paul just got through saying back over there in the 11th chapter that the women could pray and prophesy. Again, you come right back in mind. Preaching is part of prophesying. Speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Amen? So that couldn't have been what he was talking about. Well, we had got off on that. Where were we? Anybody remember where we were when we took the side journey? Where were we? What's that? Oh, Mark 5. Yeah, I know that. But I mean, I was back here on something else. I know I started on Mark 5. I may get back there sometime by Friday anyway. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Blessed be the name of Jesus. I mean, before I took that last side journey. What is that? Vision. Yeah. Now, where I was, if you remember, was over there in Acts 2. Peter said, you know, I told him that the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, you see, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Remember that? Now, that's not all of it. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Amen. Amen. And so, seeing visions is a part of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Some people think, well, the Holy Ghost, you know, he don't come anymore now. You know, all he does anymore, well, he's here all right, but all he does anymore it just bring people to Christ. He don't ever do anything else. Well, then there's not any outpouring of the Holy Ghost anymore. And yet the Word of God teaches me that Joel's talking about the latter rain. And the Word of God teaches me that Jesus is waiting. James 5, 7, that Jesus is waiting. He said, be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Well, we believe he's coming, don't we? Behold, the husbandman waiteth. Well, we know he's waiting because if he wasn't waiting, he'd already be here. Why doesn't he come? What's he waiting on? James 5, 7 said he waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. The precious fruit of the earth. And he hath long patience. Think about how long he has been patient. Now notice, until he receive the early and the latter rain. That's something that's going to happen in these last days. And that's what Peter said on the day of Pentecost. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so on and so forth. And he went on to say in the last days I'll pour out my spirit. 
You see, that was the beginning of the last days. And we're still living in the last days. And we ought to expect the Holy Ghost to manifest himself today because we're living in the same day. Same church age. Same age. Same dispensation. Ought to have the same working. Amen. Thank God we do. Praise God where people believe God. Now, when you know the word, now we'll get back, you know, I just wanted to see if you knew where we were when we took the side journey. Remember I said I wanted to be a lawyer. I don't know. I don't try to be that way, but there's something about my teaching that I'm always arguing the case. Just, uh, just automatically do it. Don't intend to. Don't think like that. But I'm always presenting the case. Praise God, the word, the facts. Amen. And that's one thing about when you know the word, you're on safe ground. Praise God. And so, I told you, you know, I used to didn't have much sense. You know, I had to get, I, I got born again at 15, healed at about 17, started to preaching at 17, and from 17 to 25, I didn't have much sense. Now, I knew the Bible. I could quote three-fourths of the New Testament, but I'd just debate with anybody that came along, and I'd always win the debate, but not them. <laughs> so I quit that finally learned a little sense. So I, I remember we were preaching, my wife and I, a certain place, and people came to, I mean, they came, I don't know how come to come to the meeting. They, 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 they wouldn't bow their head when we bowed our head and prayed, because I watched them. You know, the Bible said to watch and pray. <laughs> I watched them. They never closed their eyes. They never bowed the head. They never participated in anything we did. Just act like we were strangers, you know, and this is foreign. When the meeting was over, they came up to me, a delegation of them, said, we'd like to discuss the scriptures with you. Well, I'd learned a little bit by then. Between my wife and the Holy Ghost <laughs> teaching me, I'd, I'd finally got a hold of a few things. And, and, and so I, I learned that that didn't pay, this debating and arguing and fussing business. And, and then I said, well, I'm not interested in debating. Actually, that's what they said first. We, we'd like to debate with you. I'm not interested in debate. Well, we'd just like to discuss the scriptures with you. Well, I said, I really don't have a lot of time, and I'm not really interested in that. Well, they said, now, if, if we're not saved, you are. I said, that's the best evidence in the world that you are not saved, because I know I am. <laughs> Amen. Well, they said, yeah, but now, now, now we're honest and sincere. We're, not, we're seeking truth. We don't want to just debate. We just want to discuss. I said, okay. So we set it up to have the discussion. Three of them, just one of me. Well, my wife was there to back me up, of course. And, and uh, so, you know, we'd get to discussing the scriptures, and they got a little rabbit path they run down through through the New Testament. And every time you'd corner them, they'd get in that rabbit path. So we'd talk for about two hours. Now, one thing was water baptism. They'd gone to seed on water baptism. I believe in that, you see. But I could whip them on that score, you know. I said, now, you folks believe that when you're born again, that is, when you come to the Lord, they, they don't use the term born again. You, you come, you see, and accept Jesus' Savior, and you're not saved until you're baptized in water, baptism in water. Yeah. Well, I said, can, after you get saved, can you backslide? Yeah. Well, if you backslide, if you died, would you go to hell, just like a sinner? Yeah. Well, if they come back to God... Do you baptize them in water the second time? No. I said, well, I believe in water baptism more than you do. I baptize them the second time. That shut them up. Now, what I said was really part of the truth. I didn't baptize folks the second time unless they wanted to be. 
But if they wanted to be, I'd go ahead and baptize them. Are you listening to me? Amen. So that ended that rabbit path. Throw the block in it, you see. I said, now, I'm not going to discuss anymore. We've been discussing two hours. We're not getting anywhere. Unless you'll agree to it, that we'll take any subject you want, water baptism, Holy Ghost, divine healing, whatever subject you want to discuss, we'll take that subject and we'll not get on any other subject. We'll stay on that one subject until both of us, by mutual agreement, agree to go to another subject. All right, we'll do it. All right, I said, what do you want to discuss first? Well, they said that Holy Ghost business. <laughs> I knew right then they didn't know a thing in the world about it, about him. Jesus said, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. Amen. Acts 1.8. But he said before then, in John's gospel, the 14th chapter and the 16th verse, I'll pray the Father, and he'll send or give you another comforter that he, he, he didn't say, he'll give you another business so that that Holy Ghost business will come and abide in you. <laughs> that he'll come and abide in you. And, and so, that Holy Ghost business, I said, well, what do you want to know about him? They said, what is it? Holy Ghost is not it. It's him. He. Amen. I'll pray the Father and he'll send you another comforter that he. They said to me, what is it? Well, I said, you tell me. Well, they said, that's the Holy Ghost. Right there in your hand, Jesus said, my words, they're spirit and life. The Holy Ghost is the Bible. Sure enough, I said. <laughs> well, I said, I always wondered what that was. It fell on Cornelius' household while Peter was preaching. <laughs> As he yet spake unto them, the Bible fell on them. <laughs> I said, if it fell all the way from heaven... And the sun's 93 million miles away from the earth and heaven's above that. And if the Bible that fell on them is as big as mine, I might have knocked them all out. <laughs> and the leader of the discussion got up and said to them, let's go home. <laughs> I said, I don't blame you. I believe I'd stayed home if I didn't know any more about the Bible than that. <laughs> no, thank God for the word of God. But I learned better. You don't get anywhere arguing and fussing with folks. People that's hungry, you can help. People that's full of argument, nobody can help them, including God. Amen. But people that are hungry for spiritual things, people whose heart is open toward the Lord, can be blessed and can be helped. Hallelujah. So then, one of the fulfillments, you see, we get hung up on tongues sometimes. Thank God for tongues. The Bible teaches it. But the Bible said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh in the last days. And this is the last day. That was the beginning of them back there then. We're living in the end of the last days. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Actually, the New Testament is written in Greek. The Greek literally said, they shall have divinely granted appearances. Divinely granted appearances. So you come over to the Acts of the Apostles. See, Jesus said that in the Gospels and, uh, and, and uh, about the Holy Ghost coming. And then Peter 
uh, you know, quoted Joel's prophecy on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was outpoured. And as you read on in the Acts of the Apostles, you see them having divinely granted appearances. Sometimes Jesus appeared to them. Sometimes an angel appeared to them. Sometimes they'd have a vision like Peter went on the housetop to pray, fell into a trance. Well, he didn't see Jesus. He didn't see an angel, but he saw a great sheet let down from heaven by the four corners. All kind of creeping beast and, and, and so on, both clean and unclean. And he heard a voice say, rise, Peter, slay and eat. Not so, Lord, nothing unclean or common's ever entered my mouth. Well, it was symbolic. God's teaching him that he's going to bring the Gentiles in. Because, you see, the Jews looked upon them as being unclean. They wouldn't have anything to do with them. Separate from them. But don't you call that common and unclean which I have cleansed. Glory to God. And that which he has cleansed. My brother, sister, is not common or unclean. Amen. Have you been cleansed by the blood of Jesus? We sing, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Then you're not common. And you're not unclean. Bless God, like we said last night, you're somebody. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Say it out loud. I'm not unclean. I've been washed in the blood. I'm not common. Hallelujah. I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Nothing common about me. I'm somebody. Hallelujah. I'm clean. I'm clean. The blood of Jesus has made me clean. Wash me from all sin. Hallelujah. Well, now we ought to expect the same thing today. I've had every kind of a vision that they had in the Acts of the Apostles. Jesus appeared to him sometime. Paul said, you know, that he was in the uh, temple praying. And Jesus appeared to him and said, make haste, Paul, and get the hints. They'll not accept your testimony here. After he was arrested and put in jail, the Lord stood by him that night. Jesus stood by him. Jesus stood by him that night. Well, he must have seen him then. And said, uh, fear not, Paul. You know, this favorite thing's all right. You must appear before Caesar. Amen. How's he going to get him there? Well, here's the, here's the way to get him there. Praise God. You see an angel appearing. Uh, the word of God said, you, you, you remember Philip was in prison, or Peter was in prison. An angel came and awakened him and led him out of prison. You remember Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them, and they gave heed unto him, both hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits came out crying with a loud voice. Many of the sick of the palsy were healed. Many of was lame was healed, and his great joy in the city. So on. Now, after that great meeting down there, I would call it a citywide meeting. An angel of the Lord appeared to Philip and told him to go down in the way of Gaza. So he went down there. And here came a fellow along, Ethiopian, in a chariot. Well, he'd been up to Jerusalem because he was worshiping God, either a black Jew or a Jewish proselyte. He went up there to worship God. Every male must present himself at the temple at least once a year. He is reading from the book of Isaiah. And the Spirit said to him, 
the spirit said to him, said, the angel told Philip, go down in the way of Gaza. Now the spirit said to him, the Holy Ghost. Well, does the Holy Ghost speak? Thank God he does. Hallelujah. Go join yourself to the chariot. And he went and joined himself to the chariot. Praise God. And the man said, was reading Isaiah said, and he's reading there, reading about Jesus. And he said, ask him, said, uh, is this fellow talking about himself or somebody else? Philip's an evangelist, you know. He was a, a deacon to begin with, waiting on tables, a helper. But over in the 21st chapter of Acts, he called Philip the evangelist. And he said, Philip began at the same place and preached unto him Jesus. I'll tell you, that's the message of the evangelist. No matter where he starts, he'll preach Jesus. Amen. He can preach him from the Psalms. He can preach him from the types and shadows of the Old Testament. Praise God. Wherever he starts, while he preaches Jesus. Amen. Thank God for the evangelist. Amen. Now, a divinely granted appearance, an angel appeared to him. An angel appeared to him. The word of God said, uh, Paul said, you know, when he was shipwrecked then, on his way to Rome to appeal his case before Caesar, and, and, and all hope that they should be saved was gone. They'd thrown all the merchandise overboard. And, and Paul suddenly stood forth in their midst and said, an angel, an angel, an angel, an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve has stood by me this night. Well, now we know from a scriptural standpoint, angels are here now. I don't see them, do you? But according to what the word of God said, they're here. He must have seen that and for to know him that he's standing by him because he gave him a message. He said to him, he said to him, the ship will be lost. But I've given you all them that sail with you. If they'll do what you, they do what I tell you to tell them to do, not a one of them, their life will be lost. And he said, Wherefore, sirs, I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Divinely granted appearances. Well, should we have things like that today? Praise God, yes. I said, Amen, yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, you can readily see then. Went back to where I started now. That's my introduction. <laughs> that when I said I saw Jesus, that's not a foreign experience. That is foreign to the New Testament. That's not foreign to the Word of God. Are you listening to me? Amen. I remember I was preaching 1954 up north, one of the full gospel churches, one of the full gospel denominations. The gentleman I was preaching for was 72 years of age. He was a pioneer of the Pentecostal movement. He received the baptism of the Holy Ghost way back about 1908. So he told me in their particular full gospel denomination because he was one of the leaders and on the board, um, you know, they were having a, a meeting of all the leaders discussing business and so on. And then somebody brought it up because one of their preachers, an angel had appeared to him. And so somebody brought it up and they discussed it and they were going to turn him out of the movement for seeing an angel. Take his papers away from him. And finally he said, somebody said, he said, I just sat there and remained quiet. He said, somebody said, why don't we ask brother so-and-so? He's been with us from the beginning. He's one of the most able Bible teachers. Everybody recognize that among us. Why don't we ask him to comment on this? So the man in charge asked him if he would come. He came to the front. He said, I said to them, uh, 
Men, in my church, because that I did head up a Bible school for 17 years, I've always been in, interested in that. And so we have regular Sunday services and Wednesday night service. But on uh, Friday night, we have Bible school. No singing, just one hour I teach. And so he said, uh, I said to him one night, I just take different subjects. And I said to him one night, write down on a slip of paper some subject you'd like to hear discussed. And we'll just, and he said more people wrote down angel or angels. I, I've never heard anyone teach on the subject. And he said, I never had either. I hadn't taught on it myself or heard anybody teach. Now we're talking about 1954, you see. And this was prior. Well, it happened just the year before. And so he said, uh, I said to him, well, I'll take the next two Friday nights, you know, a couple of hours and teach on that subject. Well, he said, I began to study the Bible. I got so much material. I taught for six weeks on the subject, six hours on the subject, and then didn't finish all the notes I had. But I just decided that's long enough. We'll go to another subject. And he said, it really surprised me when I got into the Acts of the Apostles, you know, over a period sometimes of just a few chapters. Angels appeared to this one and that one. I've already referred to some of them. He said, it doesn't disturb me at all that one of our brethren, out of, uh, you know, a thousand or so, many, several thousand, two or three thousand ministers, that one of our brethren has seen an angel. The thing that disturbs me is that more of us are not seeing them. And then he said, brother, if you're going to take this away from us, have you got anything better to give us in the place of it? They voted immediately to table the resolution. Friends, there's nothing better than the Word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you listening to him? No, thank God if you're going to take the supernatural, if you're going to take divine visitations away from us, what have you got to give them the place of it that's better? More education? No. Robed choirs? Well, that's all right, but no. Jesus. Nothing's going to take the place of the Word of God. Did you hear me? Amen. 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 And you really can't give Jesus to people in his fullness because he's the living word without also giving the fullness of the written word. Because the written word is given to us to unveil the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ to us. Can you say amen? amen. So then, having a vision or seeing into the spirit world shouldn't be something that's just uh, extraordinary. That don't mean it's going to happen to all of us. But it does mean that there's a whole world out there almost that's available to us. Let's stay open to God. Walk in fellowship with Him. Praise God. Well, that's, like I said, it's my introduction. So, I saw Jesus, just plain as I see you. I said to Him, after He had talked to me about these other things, and said 54 is a year for more, Fulfill your ministry. Be faithful. Start to walk away. I said, may I ask you something? You said, or I said, this is on my heart. The only thing I can think of reading. I preached from this woman with the issue of blood two messages, either preach or teach. And every single time I have the consciousness, it seemed to me that there's another message that will complement them. That is, go along with them, you see. And if I'm right, would you give that to me while you're here? He said, you're right. Get your pencil and paper and write it down. Write down one, two, three, four. 
Well, I wrote down on my piece of paper, one, two, three, four. Then he said, if anybody, now listen carefully, I said this before, but I want to repeat it, it's so important. If anybody anywhere will take these four steps or put these four principles into operation, they will always, everybody say always. Always. Sometimes. Always. Always. Always receive from me or from God the Father whatever they need or want. Now he said step number one. First he asked me, what's the first step this woman made toward being healed? Well, I said 27th verse said when she had heard of Jesus, he said she didn't make that step. Somebody else made that step. They came and told her about Jesus. After she heard, after she heard, What did she do? I didn't really know. Read that so many times. He said, the first step she made, for she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. So step number one is say it. Then he said to me, I wrote it down, have it just as he said it, positive or negative, it's up to you or you do it. She could have spoken negatively, he said. She could have said, I've suffered 12 years. All the best doctors given up on my case. I've spent all my money. Might as well go ahead and die. If that's what she said, that's what she would have received. Step number one said. Step number two, do it. You see, she came in the press behind and touched his garment for she said. He said to me, it wouldn't do her any good to say, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole and stay home. But she acted. He said to me, I wrote it down, action. And I I added the word our, our action. He just said action defeats you or puts you over. According to the action you receive or you are defeated or you are kept from receiving. And we gave you a lot of scripture on that. That's all he said. Number three, receive it. You see, straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body she's healed of that plague. She was healed. Jesus immediately Knowing in himself that power, King James said virtue, the Greek word is dynamon, translated power. Power went out of me. Knew that power had gone out of him. Turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Jesus said to me, now now of course he was anointed with that power. One can be anointed with it. But power is always present everywhere. See, it's God's power. It said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Power is always present everywhere. Faith gives it action or puts it to work. You see, he was anointed with that power, but there's no action on it until faith was exercised. The 34th verse, he said, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Then Jesus called my attention to this. He said, notice this, that the feeling, because it said she felt in her body she is healed, the feeling and the healing followed the saying and the coming or the doing or the action. In other words, first she said it. Secondly, she came for it. Thirdly, she received it or felt. Now see, most folks, if they feel it and have it, then they'll say it. Well, that's the fourth point, tell it. Amen. Difference between saying it and telling it. 
You see, then tell it. She fell down before him and told him all the truth. The eighth chapter of Luke that records the same story puts it like this. When the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling, Luke 8, 47, and falling down before him, she declared unto him before all the people, before all the people, step number four, tell it so that others may receive it or believe it. That's what Jesus said. Now I said, Lord, I can see this, that that's the four steps that that woman made for healing. And I can readily see that if anybody would take those same four steps, just like she did, they'd always receive their healing without exception because God's no respecter of person. But now that was healing. How about the person? You know, so many Christians need victory. Victory over this. Victory over sin. Victory over the devil. Victory over the flesh. Victory over this test. Victory over that trial. Amen? Now, now are you telling me that any believer, we could always make those same four steps and always win the victory. Always be an overcomer. Yes, he said. Well, I said to him, the Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Now, we've got the one witness here, the woman of the issue of blood who received healing. Now, give me another scriptural, other scriptures that, that, that tells me what you're saying, proves to me. I told you some way or another, my mind works that way. I want proof. Lawyer, you know, facts. Well, Jesus said a story that you've heard all that. In fact, you don't even remember the first time you heard it. As far as you know, you just knew it all your life. You can't even remember. As a little Sunday school boy, you saw a picture of it. Both a big picture on the wall and a little card. Well, I said, if, it, if it's there, I don't know what it is. Well, he said the story of David and Goliath. 1 Samuel 17. Now, after all, dear friends, what is this a picture of anyway? I mean, after all, the Paul tells us about Israel writing to the Corinthians, and he talks about what happened to them, happened as in samples, that means examples, types unto us, and what's written aforetime is written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come, doesn't he? I said, doesn't he? Amen. Paul said that. All right, then this is for our admonition. Let's look at it. Let's see about it. David, you know, was sent by his father with some provisions for his brothers who were in the army. And Israel was at war with the Philistines. And here came out this giant to challenge them. And the 24th verse said, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up? And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? 
and taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard him when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul and he sent for him. And David said, I want to call your attention. The Lord asked me, what's the first step David made? He said, he said, you read down through this chapter, you'll find before he did it, he said it five times. David said, step number one, say it. The Lord asked me, Jesus in the vision asked me, said, who is Goliath a type of? Well, I said he has to be uh, the Philistines. Israel was the people of God. The Philistines and Goliath are enemies to the people of God. So he's an enemy of God's people. He, Jesus said to me, Goliath can be a type of Satan himself. Goliath can be a type of demons, evil spirits. Goliath can be a type of a habit that binds you. Goliath can be a type of any enemy that stands between you and victory. The world, the flesh, the devil. Can you write your own ticket with God? Thank God you can. I said, thank God you can. I said, thank God you can. He's a type of any enemy that stands between you and victory. And David said, remember we already said, David spake to the men. And so on now. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Remember that King Saul, when he was elected king, was head and shoulders taller than all the other men of Israel. Read the previous verses in this chapter, and you'll find that when Goliath came out there and defied Israel, that the Bible said King Saul's knees smoked. I mean, he's so afraid his knees, he shaked, his knees smoked one against another. And here's a 17-year-old country boy, sheep herder, teenager, Come out. Oh, dear Lord. Amen. That's the reason his, his older brother Eli was poking fun at him. David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. David said unto Saul, David said, David said, David said, Under Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. 
Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37, David said, everybody say David said. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. Somebody said, how did he know that the Lord would deliver him out of this hand of the Philistine? You can't never tell what God might do. Yes, you can. He'll do everything you'll believe him for. He'll do everything he said in his word he'd do. Amen. Well, you know, they, uh, he tried to put his armor on him, but David wouldn't have it. The word of God said in the 40th verse, and he took his staff in his hand. That is his shepherd's stick or crook. And he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. You can't run from anything and win victory. A lot of people think, if I could just move out of Houston up to Dallas, maybe I could live for God. No, you see, your problem's you. When you get up to Dallas, you'll be there. Some people think, if I could just get away from my wife, I, I, I could win the victory. No, no, you'll be in the same mess when you get away from her because the problem's you, and when you get over there, you're, you'll be there. The greatest enemy that you will face, actually, and you'll have to deal with is your flesh. The greatest enemy to victory and success that you'll ever face is just your own flesh. Sure, get quiet. You get talking about that. <laughs> Amen. Greatest enemy. Paul said, I keep under my body, 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I bring it into subjection. You're going to have to learn to keep your body under. You mean that great apostle that wrote half the New Testament? Now, see, I'm talking about book-wise, 27 books. We said in the New Testament, he wrote 13 out. That's virtually half. Word-wise, some of them others may be longer, you see, but about half of the New Testament. Holy man of God, an apostle, anointed with the Holy Ghost, cast out devils. They even took handkerchiefs or, or, or aprons from his body to the sick, and the disease left them, and the evil spirits went under. You mean he had to keep his body under? You mean his body wanted to do things that was wrong? He wouldn't have to keep it under if it didn't. Would he? Would he? You mean his body wanted to do things that was wrong? His flesh? Sure. Don't care how sanctified you think you are. Something happens, you know, your flesh will say, you hit me, I'll hit you. You spit on me, I'll spit on you. Your flesh will want to fight back. Boy, you get to meddling here, folks. Get quiet, don't they? Amen. But thank God you can write a ticket of victory. I said you can write a ticket of victory. I said you can write a ticket of victory. Paul said, I keep under my flesh. 
my body. I bring it into subjection. Subjection to whom? The inner man, his spirit. I do it, he said. Of course, God's going to help you do it. Just like David slew the giant, God helped him do it. He said, the Lord will do it. The Lord will deliver him into my hands. All right. And the Philistine came on and drew near to David, and the man that bare the shield went before. That fellow's so big, he couldn't carry his own shield. Another man carried the shield for him. Now, Flavius Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us that a cubit, you know, the Bible tells us how tall this fellow was in cubits. Flavius Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us that a, a cubit was measured by a different length in, in Jewish, at different times in Jewish history. Now, if you take the greater length that it was measured by, he would be 11 and a half feet tall. If you take the lesser length that years later it was measured by, a cubit was called, he would be nine feet, 11 inches tall. He couldn't have been any shorter than nine foot, 11 inches. That's one inch short of 10. You wouldn't hardly call him shorty, would you? <laughs> Amen. You could see him real well behind this pulpit, better than you could Dodie or John. They have to get out the side so you can see them. <laughs> see, this is our pulpit we use in our crusade. This is our crusade, so we bought our pulpit. I'm taller, you see, so I use one a little taller. These others, like these little short fellows had, like him, you see, I, I'm this way. <laughs> Amen. Well, the man couldn't have been less than nine feet, 11 inches tall. Another man bare his shield before him. And when the Philistine looked about, now notice that. I mean, he, he's a big guy. He had to look about to see that little David. I mean, he's just, he just a teenager, 17 years old, youth. Looked about and saw David. He disdained him for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest against me with staves or a stick? See, he just had the shepherd's stick in his hand. Am I a dog? Well, he felt, sure he felt insulted. Send a kid out there with a stick in his hand. And him, a man of war. Send a man, a kid out there with a stick in one hand and a slingshot in the other. Amen. <laughs> and the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest against me, comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I'll give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. You know what Jesus said to me in that vision? He said, You can't keep the devil from talking to you. He talked to me. He did, didn't he? I said, He did, didn't he? But don't even try to stop him. But when he gets through, you have something to say to him. Amen? That Philistine can be a type of the devil. Let him, let him follow all he's going to do. But just as soon as he finished, now notice this. You got your Bibles open there? Did you wear your shouting clothes tonight? Amen. 
Then David said, <laughs> how many times is that that he said it? David said to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name. Woo! Woo! We've got a name. A name that's above every name. What's in a name? Well, if I had time to take off a preacher. What's in a name? The name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I'll smite thee, and take thy head from thee, and I'll give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines. Man, I mean, he's waxing strong in faith. He said, I'm not only going to whip you, I'm going to whip the whole bunch of you. <laughs> this day, give the carcasses of the host of the Philistine this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. Whoa, glory to God. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The is the Lord's. Hallelujah. And he'll give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David. Remember, number one, say it. Number two, do it. Action, action, everybody say action. 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 David hasted. Woo. Hasted. That means he hurried. He didn't come in dragging in 30 minutes late for Sunday school. He didn't come in when the service was half over. I mean, he ran and got there, bless God, before they ever started. Oh, you could really, really take off here, couldn't you? Preach a good pastoral sermon. Those kind of folks will never take anybody's head off. You might as well say amen. It's the truth. <laughs> amen. He hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Glory to God. Action. Action. Do it. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. Now, did you ever see a picture of the armor they wore? If you know anything about it all, or read history, he had that, that man had armor on. He's a soldier. Saul put his armor on David. David wouldn't wear it. Took it off. But he had a helmet on. That helmet had a 
piece that come down here over his forehead, pivoted, you know, fastened here on each side. It would slide up and down put, to protect his forehead, to keep anything. That rock sunk down in his forehead and stunned him, and he fell flat on his face. How come it to do that? How come that wasn't there? Now, tradition said that when David, that shepherd boy, teenager, with a stick in one hand, slingshot in the other hand, hasted and ran towards him, that he threw back his head. <laughs> and that thing slipped up off of his head about that time that rock hit him. <laughs> Just let the devil laugh if he wants to. While he's laughing, take a good scripture, bless God. Wind up with it and let him have it. Jesus said, it's written, it's written, it's written. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's go on reading. This is only part of the victory. Receive it. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine. That, that giant, he's a big guy. That, that kid run up there and, and stood on him. And took his sword, the giant's sword. Drew it out of the sheath. And slew him. And cut off his head. Woo, glory to God. See, that, that giant didn't even have his, I mean, that kid running up there with a stick in one hand, a slingshot. He didn't even draw his sword. What, what's he going to do? Come after him with a stick. Him a man of war. Are you listening? But he had written a ticket of victory. He kept saying, the Lord deliver him into my hand. Kept saying, the battle's the Lord's. Glory to God. The Lord will do it. I come in the name of the Lord. Then he acted. Then he received it. Ran up there and stood on him. Stood on him. <laughs> oh, don't that sort of remind you, what did Jesus say? Look over into Luke again. Now hold that, hold your finger right there in 1 Samuel 17. Turn back over to Luke's gospel. Oh, I could quote it. You know that, but you turn. I think we miss it. I quote it and you miss it. I want you to read it. I want you to get it. I want you to understand it. Praise God. Notice what Jesus said. I want you to notice what Jesus said. Not what some man said. Not what somebody thinks. But I want you to notice what the Lord Jesus Christ himself said. I give you power or that means authority. This Greek word means authority. To tread on serpents. Hallelujah. To do what? Tread on serpents. Now notice. Vipers and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. Over how much? Enemy. There's enemy again. David stood on him. Goliath was the enemy, wasn't he? 
I said Goliath was the enemy, wasn't he? I said Goliath was the enemy, wasn't he? Notice that he said David stood on him. I give you authority. Where is that? I was trying to find it. I thought I had it marked. Yeah, got it marked just like I said, 1019. Look right by. Behold, I give unto you power, that means authority, this particular Greek word, to tread on serpents and scorpions. Now, is he talking about literal, you know, snakes, rattlesnake, copperhead? Now, notice, and over all the power of the enemy. You'll notice snakes, scorpions, are used as a type very often of the devil and demons and evil spirits. See, he says, and over all, how much? All. Everybody say all. 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 The what? The authority of what? The enemy. I give you authority. Woo, glory to God. To tread on. That, That means walk on, stand on. Get on top of. Tread on. Serpents. Scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy. Yeah, somebody said, Brother Hagin, he said that though to that other 70 disciples that he sent out. I know that. But I want to ask you, how much authority over the enemy do we have? Blood bought. Blood washed. Born again. Spirit filled, tongue talking. Whoa, glory to God. Hallelujah. Do we have any less authority? Do we have any less power? No, thank God. He stood on him. <laughs> Learn to stand on your enemies. Amen. Not only did he stand on him, but he took his own sword, that, 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 that giant sword, unsheathed it, took his own sword and cut off his head, defeated him, received the victory. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted, <laughs> anybody can shout after the victory comes, <laughs> shouted, and pursued the Philistines until they came to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. Hallelujah. And you know, they won a great victory. And David, skip down to the 54th verse. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor, that is the Philistine's armor, in his tent. He won the victory. Can you see it? Then, bless God, they told it. The women got their tambourines and began to sing. Saul had slain his thousands, but David had slain his tens of thousands. They told it, didn't they? So that others could believe it and receive it. I said, Lord, I see that. I see that. I can see that. Those same steps there that you could take against any enemy that comes against you and win every time. Well, somebody said you can win a few and lose a few. No, 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 no. Don't mean not going to have any battles. This is a battle, but it's the Lord's battle. But he didn't have to go in it but win every time. Come out on top. Stand on the enemy. Cut his head off. Amen. Now, I can see that, Lord. I said, I can see that. The woman made those four steps. 
receive healing here in, in, in the victory that the Christian needs? See, that's what people need. Victory. Victory. So I said, now, could I take those four steps and get ten Cadillacs? I, every time I hear that, I'm reminded what Paul said, avoid foolish and silly such things as that questions. That, that's stupid anyway. What would you do with ten Cadillacs if you had them? may not even be the will of God but to have them anyway. Are you listening? Get victorious. Then let God take care of those things as He will. You'll prosper if you'll believe God. Are you listening to me? No use getting off on a bunch of junk. Amen. Avoid foolish questions. That gender confusion and all that. Now, I said, Lord, I can see that. I can see that then. But now wait a minute. Wait just a minute. I said, you said to me in the beginning that if anybody anywhere would take these four steps they'd always receive from me, you said, Jesus, or God the Father, whatever they need or whatever they want. Now, you're not going to tell me that the sinner could take those four steps and be saved. He said, certainly. The greatest need of his life is to be born again. Absolutely. Well, I said, you're going to have to give me scripture for that. I mean, I mean, I read the New Testament through 150 times. Portions of it, more than that. If there's anything like that in there, I don't know it. He said again, as he said a number of times, Sunday's a lot in there you don't know. <laughs> I said, you're going to have to give me scripture this time in the New Testament. He said, why, scripture that you've heard preached? I never had preached much. Well, not at all. Never preached a sermon. I referred to it. Well, he said in the 15th chapter of Luke's gospel, uh, the story of the prodigal son. He said, what's the first step the prodigal son made? I couldn't even think of. He said, the scripture said, when he came to himself. He said, you see, the preaching of the word of God will cause the sinner to come to himself and see himself lost. Now, what step does he make? He said, the first thing that the prodigal son did, first step he took, for he said, he said, everybody say he said. I know what I'll do. I'll go home. And say to my father, Father, forgive me, I've sinned against you. Down there in the hog pen, after he had spent all of his living in riotous, all of his money, you see, in riotous living, hired out to feed hogs, was hungry, would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the hogs ate. When he came to himself, he said, he said, everybody say he said. said. I know what I'll do. I'll arise and go home and say, Father, I've sinned against you. Forgive me. That's the first thing he did, he said. Second, he climbed out of that hog pasture and lit off down the road home. He did it. Number three, he received it. The father saw him coming afar off, ran and met him, fell on his neck, hugged him and kissed him. And he said, Father, just make me as one as your hard servants. I've sinned against you. Forgive me. And the father said, bring the robe and put on him. Hallelujah. Bring the ring put on his finger. Bring shoes and put on his feet. Kill the fatted calf. This eat and drink and be merry. My son that was lost, lost, everybody say lost, lost. is found. And the elder brother came in from the field and heard him telling it. What's the sound? What's the mean all this music and singing, dancing? Why, well, said your brother had come home. And they killed a fatted calf and made a feast. They were telling it. Hallelujah. Thank God forevermore. Can you see it? You can write your ticket too. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father.
We pray again that peradventure there are those among us that's lost and unsaved and sinners that you'd speak to their hearts. If there are those that are church members like I was and wasn't saved, deep down on the inside of them, they don't know, really know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Or if there are backsliders here, this prodigal son's a type of the lost because he said the lost is found. But he's also a type of a backslider because he was in Father's house. He was in fellowship with his father under the good graces and benefits of his father. But he left. And so many have gone away sometimes from father, from the house of God, out into sin and wrongdoing then speak to that prodigal son. Speak to that prodigal daughter tonight that they may come back home like the prodigal son of old and say, Father, forgive me, I've sinned against you. Speak to that church member and help them to know there's a new birth. They can be born again, come to know the Lord Jesus Christ personally and as their own personal Savior. Speak to that sinner. Help them to know there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. May they come to Jesus and be saved, make heaven, miss hell. May not anyone in this room tonight die and go to hell. May every person under the sound of my voice make heaven their home. I ask it in Jesus' name and for his honor and for his glory. Now while heads are bowed and eyes are closed and Christians are praying, as we wait just a moment in his presence. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagin Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3.